0: and welcome back motherfuckers to episode two of tusk where the world is going to shit and we are kicking back and enjoying the show here today we welcome back marquis who y'all will most likely remember from episode one and we'll be introducing another guest who we have who is also an old buddy of mine we will be referring to him as mr picasso in this episode welcome mr picasso would you like to introduce yourself give us a little bit of your background
1: thank you uh tusk for having me on here and uh of course i guess a little bit of background that i have on i guess why i should even be on this podcast to begin with i guess you should say or why this podcast and inspe- uh, specifically the topics that are being discussed here as far as what's going on in the world politically geopolitically philosophically um within multiple layers of basically the human species and how we interact and power and things like that um i've basically always studied these things ever since i was a little wee little lad you know little little kid it just intrigues me man it just does
0: hey that's a good a reason as ever and like i said we have our guest marquis back on air where hopefully we can have a very productive conversation between the three of us and let's get the shit started the first topic is a very recent event unfortunately a tragic natural disaster in the state of florida hurricane ian i haven't gotten around to finding the official death rate so far but i've heard that it's into the dozens so uh Unfortunately, most of them being in the Southwest West Coast around generally, I believe the Tampa area. I may be wrong on that
1: Yeah, I think I think the death rate now as if An hour ago when I checked my phone was at least 62
0: 62
1: Yes, at least 62 and um.
2: I leave is also category five cnn is now reporting at least 109 people have been reported killed by the hurricane yeah 109 there we go damn
1: so that that's just within a short
2: time
0: it's a cat four i can't remember mark we did do you remember if it ever hit a cat five
2: I do not specifically recall, but what I do specifically recall is that it was immediately politicized by the left and used as a cudgel to bludgeon Governor DeSantis.
0: Right, yeah, I I caught a lot of that on the news, too. Uh, Picasso, what are your thoughts on that specifically? Uh, What are your overall opinions on Governor Ron DeSantis?
1: So DeSantis is somebody that I've been tracking for a very long time, and he's kind of some sort of unicorn and the Republican Party. And let me explain. Of course, Trump, he's the biggest unicorn of the Republicans, but he's completely changed the Republican Party. And Republicanism kind of had this foul mouth taste to it within the general public that at least if you watch just the media would um, make you assume or when I've had personal conversations, people just have this, um, thing about republicanism being a trump thing now which it is turning to but desantis seems seemed to be somebody that was not a trumper that was um a desantis -er. i think vegas even had him in the polls uh two months ago more likely to win the presidency uh even the republican nomination over trump really um yes so he's he's been very popular so I've been tracking him for a while, and I've had an eye on him, especially within the state of Florida. He's known probably for one of his biggest things, the don't-say-gay-law, right. um,
0: That's what they which was to, a big— That's what they tried to relabel it as, at least, even though the word gay— Well, one might say that it's kind of fitting that the word gay wasn't even in the bill. However, that is what the Democrats tried to—actually, a lot of Democrats were even in support of it but many people on the far left relabeled it as the don't say gay bill, saying that's restricting free speech in schools, et cetera, et cetera. I can give you
1: one word, one word on the reason why the media uh, reacted in that way, and that is Disney. Okay, because what this uh, no gay law was, what this bill that was passed, was basically... Uh, it was a big tax for these corporations like Disney. So Disney was not paying their taxes as a separate... Because they were claiming to be a separate state right. from Florida. So Florida said, no, you're part of Florida Florida stamp. Oh, and by the way, you can't be indoctrinating children with this homosexual acceptance type agenda that Disney has had as of recently as to them wanting to be more open so you could see that so the left took that as it's you know anti-homophobic and the right's like no disney deserves their fair share of taxes but we obviously see what the mainstream narrative was at the end of the day which says a lot absolutely which says a lot about the power of that one word disney
0: that's true yeah Disney has always had a very large cultural influence all all over the world, really.
1: And that's why I want to point out DeSantis. The um, that that's why I wanna point out DeSantis, because he's proven that he can roll with the punches. He votes for his constituents. He does what they want. Um he most definitely appeals to his base. But with his own flavor. He's not a flam he's not a flamboyant trump. He's not somebody that you see in the news making this bad comment you know but he's proved that he can roll with the punches watching the interview with him um he's very keen and everything that he says and he's very he's proven to be a leader even just his time management of not being able to go onto the view a chess move that that was um how people so you have this left so everybody knows of the show the view right
0: yeah unfortunately
1: yeah unfortunately right because it's a terrible show it's about it's it became very political mccain's daughter was even on there what you know basically started as whoopi goldberg and some housewives turned into we're going to you know say whatever we want and we're educated all of a sudden with no backup to any of that
0: If anyone listening to this podcast doesn't know what The View is about, first of all, lucky you. And secondly, I will completely sum up every episode for you. A bunch of rich, privileged women go on a show and bitch. That's it. That that is the entire show. They bitch about shit they don't know about for how the fuck long are the episodes? I don't even fucking know. That's the entire show.
1: Yeah, basically, I mean, it's it's basically Oprah times five.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: And it's not uplifting, right. so it sucks. Yeah.
0: Mark, do you have any comments on that? Ron DeSantis, the Florida situation, Disney, The View, any of it?
2: Uh, yes, back to DeSantis a little bit. There were some polls done at conservative conventions in the past few months. I specifically remember one at a Turning Point USA, where DeSantis was either shown to be very competitive with Trump, and in some, he actually polled ahead of him. And these TPUSA polls, these other right-wing conventions and all that, this is really important, especially for the primaries coming up, because this is showing where the energy of the Republican base is. And it's showing that Donald Trump doesn't have the monopoly on the right-wing base that he used to in 2016 and 2020 that, that monopoly that mystic power he had right. it's right. not there to the extent that a lot of uh, people out in the media and the commentator world seem to think it is so going forward there really might be a battle in uh, the primaries to see who's going to win is it going to be trump or right now it looks like the only other person who could possibly touch him with a 10-meter paddle prod is Ron DeSantis. But here's the thing. They both, when you get right down to it policy-wise, DeSantis isn't more than a stone's throw away from Donald Trump. This isn't like the 2008 election where we have, like, Ron Paul running against against, uh, Senator McCain back then. The gulf between the neocon McCain and... uh, libertarian Ron Paul, I love Ron Paul, but that's beside the point, is about the gap between Tokyo and Los Angeles. So, the Overton window, the Very range true. of acceptable opinions in the Republican Party, it it's not as wide as it used to be in that respect, because it looks like it's an argument between Twiddly D and Twiddly Dumb, but that's, a, that's another thing that I want to pivot to and we were talking about earlier that uh, there seems to be a chance for real realignment in the Republican movement because the power that Trump had over the electorate is, like we said, kind of broken right now. Right. So the question is now where where are we going next? What does it mean to yes. be a conservative in 2022? It, are we ah. going to revert back to neoconism or are we going to go Go towards the libertarians. I hope we do. In fact, I hope we go towards uh, the anarcho-capitalist wing of the libertarians. That's just my radicalism. Right. Or are we going to choose something totally different? I don't know. And uh, it's a very exciting time to be alive. And uh, the right-wing libertarian politics work. Indeed, it is. That
0: that's something that I have really noticed is as similar as most Republicans are. Policy-wise, the Republican Party has become very shattered, but the shards are very, very close, even touching in some aspects. In fact, it seems that it's become two different political parties, for the most part. It's become, you know, you have your never-Trumpers, very pro-Trumpers, and then people who could give or take which that, that's very a very small minority. Most people either love Trump or hate him. Let's but point out that Trump... Trump. However, I've noticed, I've seen a few different polls, and most polls I've seen show Trump in the lead for Republican primaries in polls. However, with the whole Mar-a-Lago raid and the January 6th debacle, It does seem like his grasp has slipped, but has increased tenfold among people who Mm. already support him either way. Some people think that's true. Many Republicans believe he was raided by the FBI, he could be a real criminal. Others believe that is a huge injustice and weaponization of law enforcement. So, those
2: aren't mutually exclusive, it can be both. Right. I would argue that
1: most Trumpers believe that uh, I'm referring to a group of people as Trumpers, believe it or not, um, but uh, that the people that follow Trump, I would say a majority of them up to 90% believe that he was that the raid was unlawful, that it was Absolutely. a huge power within the um, deep state and it was out of balance. And how dare you do this to an ex president? So, but yeah, there is a break off between Trumpers, really but I do want to bring up some important thing because Marqui was saying that um, it's an exciting time to be uh, young and to be a right winger right now. And okay. what are what are we to do? What what is the because Trump doesn't have his pull, and I'm gonna make the argument on the opposite, and I'm gonna say Trump very much still has a huge pull. And uh, I'll give you an example just from my state in Missouri, Josh Hawley. Um, Josh Hawley is now a do-or-die Trumper, and Trump endorsed him. So we, we're seeing the people that Trump is endorsing, they, they win, first off. That's a big, big, big deal because it says a lot about what the people think. They win. Two, these guys that were winning, maybe they were some of those Republicans that were sometimes Trump, you know, because Trump, he can go to a sometimes Trump and he can make them a Trump, no problem. And they become Trump and they're all Trump. And that's what they preach to their constituents. It's like you can tell that Trump is giving them the template to win. He's saying, say these things, do these things, vote for these things. And they're winning. They're winning and he's endorsing them. And I think the Congress is still very flooded with a lot of Trumpers right now.
0: Definitely. And that's. That's why I hesitate to say that his grasp on Republicans is loosening, because I believe the biggest reason why his grasp might be loosening is because of Ron DeSantis, because Republicans see DeSantis and they say, hey, Trump already lost. He has a lot of baggage carried with him. Maybe we should turn to somebody new, somebody fresh without personal baggage. However, they will not hesitate to back Trump with no look at the okay After this all, is I mean, somebody this to... was endorsed by trump
1: yeah and like i said earlier on the podcast this was somebody that i've been tracking and you can see his earlier his mannerisms and his uh at the very beginning of his um term as governor the way that he would politicize himself to the way that he's politicizing himself now at uh peak attention he's taking stuff from trump all the time he's doing the mop he's doing the mimicking of his political adversaries giving them nicknames mocking the uh news uh he became famous for that during the corona um vaccine and the corona lockdown um back in those two years of the government shutdown he was a big no masker florida is a no masker people from california come to florida and be free you know he became this guy that bullied the left-wing uh, wing media, too. He is straight out of Trump's line, you know? So we see how he's changed and evolved to be a Trump in his own manner, but he's a more controlled-temperament Trump.
2: Definitely. He Indeed. Is. One of the things that I have seen that both uh, Trump and DeSantis use a lot is that it's an appeal to populism, which is a... A very yes. old philosophy has very deep roots in the American tradition, but is it morally right? That that's another question, right there. Here, but yes, I th- think it's th- the th- only morally right
1: way. Well, it depends on how you define populism, though. We can I'm get talking into about
2: that. as a political ideology, not a tactic. Like this, like populism, a definition. Okay, this is a appeal to the people against, against the power of... Well, historically, it was against big business. You see this with William Jennings Bryan and his crusade against the gold standard. You will not crucify America on a cross of gold. And uh, it could also be diverted against big government. That's one of the things that Trump and DeSantis are latching onto. But at its core, it's a groundswell of the common man against some powerful, seen-to-be oppressive force in society. We've seen a metamorphosis from that powerful force being in the past in the 19th and the early part of the 20th century, the progressive era I'm talking about, that used to be big corporations, the trusts, busting the trusts, Theodore Roosevelt, Sherman Antitrust, all that. And now it's being directed against government. But here's the thing, though. Populism as a political doctrine is very light on actual doctrine. That's the thing. There aren't too many, many people who will go out and write a tract about it. Same cannot be said about classical liberalism, socialism, uh, conservatism even. Even though conservatism takes most of its quote-unquote doctrine, such as, from inherited tradition and history. That's why there aren't as many tracts on conservatism as they are on socialism, which is a purely doctrinaire philosophy. So without this bedrock, this base of doctrine, a framework for thinking, a framework for future political activism, populism is by its nature an intrinsically unstable philosophy and it's why the original populist movement collapsed, I would argue. It's unsustainable because people can't pass on the ideas, as well as you could pass on the ideas of libertarianism, socialism, conservatism, syndicalism, anything like that. Well, because documents haven't been written. It's unstable, right? Because it's
1: a lot, I think a lot of different variables on the reason why it's not as popular, you know, it's not as extreme. That's one thing. Humans are very particular about their extremes. They want the specifics, you know, either you're a master of your job or you're a loser, you know, like this whole thing, right? But I think what we need to be asking ourselves is why is the power getting more to the populace now? Why now? Why at this moment? What led up to this moment?
0: I, you know? I really couldn't answer that Once years question. in the Middle East and the business
1: cycle. Um, I would say technology. I'm talking about it as far as the sensory and politics from this way forward, I think it has a lot to do with technology. I think it has a lot to do with capitalism. Uh, The common man now, as Marquis said, was um, gaining a lot of power. And I think that has to come through the capitalist type materialistic type of nation that we live in. How many houses have flat screens now? Right. So all three of us have a computer. We're interacting with each other. We're spreading ideas. People are doing this more now than they ever have before.
0: That's true. That I think is that true. has,
1: I we, think that also has to do a lot with it. But if anybody else says something.
0: Well, it is hard for an ideology like populism to become as popular as, say, Marxism or capitalism. Because, after all, populism is a very broad is a very broad ideology you know it, it doesn't have a karl marx or an adam smith it, i mean Precisely any, my point. exactly any right. ideology right. can claim to be for populism you take karl marx he says well i'm fighting for the common man make everybody equal take capitalism while we're letting everybody define their future and create whatever lifestyle that they want to live anybody can call themselves a populist
2: indeed one of the dangers we stray into with populism when we just look at historically what populists have been for. Again, doctrine wise, we're kind of out in a gray zone because pop, as far as populist doctrine, there is no populist doctrine. Just go by what they've done in the past. What have they done in the past? You've got Williams, Jennings, Bryan crusading against the gold standard. Why is he doing that? Because he wants to inflate the currency. The original populists in this country and around the world more broadly, inflationism and crank monetary theories are a common strain through all of populist thought. I shouldn't even say that because populist thought is a little bit of a misnomer, but populist action, let's call it there, historically, they're in favor of growing the currency supply uh, in order to help debtors mostly and uh, paying off debt and all that the difficult thing is that uh inflationism doesn't actually work the very bad economic theory we really need to avoid adopting that and uh, so far we haven't done a very good job at avoiding that because donald trump was the biggest spender in u.s history and uh joseph biden is probably going to surpass him at the rate he's spending right now just today fox news reported that we crossed 31 trillion dollars in the federal debt so that's all nice and peachy and uh, this is of course being financed quite a lot by the printing of money the printing press goes burr as the popular meme goes yeah biden already he already surpassed trump as the
1: biggest uh, Spender in human history.
0: Did he really? Really? Excellent. Yeah, he already
1: did. That's so great. Trump, Trump already was. Um, and we are not even we can get a fact through checker through. going. We're not. Even but yeah, Biden, Biden is only two years in, and he already surpassed Trump. And a lot of that has to do with the COVID relief bills. Peachy. Stimulus checks. He's not keeping the Federal Reserve in, in check. He's not. And uh, you see his weakness he he's literally tweeting out to the oil companies or tweeting out to the federal reserve oh you better listen to me he... and then, what do they do and they're like no fix fix your stuff with the federal reserve the oil company says the federal reserve goes to biden no you pass this bill we got to freaking get this money you know got to print it out somebody's you know where do you think money comes from he just doesn't understand basic economics
0: well okay. According to AOC, money comes from trees. That's why banks have branches. Oh, my God. You know
1: what? That's a good one.
0: Yeah. That's a good
1: one. You got to give props where props is due. AOC is crazy, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I I don't think she said that. I did. I saw it in a meme. Don't. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Meme culture is also big part of the political spectrum now
0: it really is i know this sounds like a joke but memes can actually make a, a big difference like they without it, a I mean, doubt again they it, can be idiot. a check i know people are probably going to be laughing at this calling me a fucking idiot but i mean it's it's society it's information spreading or misinformation however you want to put Johnny it.
1: donnie depp amber heard you
0: you mix you mix comedy with political activism it's, it really can go a long way.
2: Yeah, it's just a new a... medium of providing information. It's the pamphleteering of today. Yeah, but it's... I wish we would go back to pamphleteering to uh, build off the theme that we talked about in the last podcast, that the complexity of our civil discourse has gone inexorably downward from um, the uh, George Washington's farewell address, the Virginia and Kentucky resolutions, or or uh, any of the, the uh, documents that were penned around that time. They're written at a college level, spoken at a college level. And uh, now, well, look at Twitter. Uh, need I say more? I don't think I do. I mean, really,
0: it's, it's pretty clear with the generations that we have today coming into the adult world, being able to vote, being able to be activists. You take a small you know, this generation it can only take TikTok videos, five second clips, you know, our attention span, you take a picture with a funny joke on it, a funny picture, you put in something that somebody agrees with or something that they can ride with. That's a good way to win this generation over. It's quick, it's easy, it's simple. And when you think about it, that really can go a long way.
2: I'm agnostic on tactics. If it works, it works. But if I had my ultimate choice, I would rather elevate political discourse to a higher level. But if memes get votes, if memes change minds, if this is how we win hearts and minds, so to speak, let the memes flow. And I will will say I am very guilty of this. My phone has about 3,000 memes on it. Amen. I like them too.
0: Amen. I mean, yeah... It would be an ideal world for politics to be held to a higher standard, but it all comes down to the people and the votes and however they spread information, however they win over votes for their political party or candidate. That's just how it goes, for better or worse. A
1: Indeed. Meme, a meme is a custom postcard sent within seconds. It's a subliminal, subconscious vision You know, like a tarot card. It's a funny joke. It's a movie without, you know, motion. It tells a story. It's a picture is a thousand words. Okay, slap 10 more words on that. Are those really 10 more words? Or is the weight of those words really more than just one per one word? And I think that's what we're handling when we're talking about memes and why they've been so politically charged and why politics have. Taken so much interest in memes.
2: Who right. Knows?
0: Maybe Howard Stern might actually be getting somewhere, God forbid. <laughs> but, I mean, the great meme war of 2016, that's why that became an, a meme in and of itself.
2: Indeed. This memes are now such a serious thing that, uh, A few months ago, I read a book called Like War, which was uh, written by some journalist who stays military and political affairs. And uh, in this book, he's talking about how memes impacted quantifiably the 2016 election and uh, how memes and social media cyber warfare is physically impacting wars in the Middle East and around the world so
1: infected our careers
2: yes as a uh, memes their power is not under dispute anymore or when you have the military and the historical political environment writing whole books about them yes we can be certain that this is a very potent force this is another form of war this is is yes. a memetic war is this yes. is a concept this is a thing this exists after to
1: yeah, it's way more intense than we actually think. I mean,
0: all three of us, we've fell victim to some of this. Oh, definitely. I've so. got more, more memes than I'd care to admit in my phone, most of them in some way tied into politics.
1: Well, I'm, I was talking about our personal lives. Yeah. The, that, that the memes. Hell, even, I mean, even memes have affected our own personal life.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Help. Uh, my brother and I were talking about this just the other day. Uh, that I can't in any way specify it. But there was a meme that went around that actually influenced a local election in my hometown. I I don't know any. Wow. Other. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. See, that's, that's the type stuff I'm talking about. It affects people's lives.
0: So the midterms are roughly a month away, a month and about four days as of this recording. And do y'all think that the Republicans are losing momentum with quote-unquote legislative successes coming from the Democrats lately, or do y'all believe that it'll still be a landslide? Because historically, the holding party of the White House, uh, it almost always does poorly in the midterms.
2: Right. There's no way that the Republicans aren't going to pick up quite a lot of seats over this one, because if we can make this about Biden, if this is going to be a referendum on who's at the top of the ticket and Biden isn't running this year, but American politics have metamorphosized so much that power has flowed away from Congress towards the executive branch, that the chief executive magistrate is now the ultimate personification of not just the party, but the ideology, and all of the tens of millions of people who voted for him, become a superhuman avatar, if you will. So Biden is the Democratic Party right now. However much that makes certain people in the Democratic Party scream and shriek with rage, he is. And if we can drive home to the voters that Biden is the Democratic Party, if you vote for the Democratic Party, right now you're also voting for biden by proxy then right. biden is going to lose which is to say the democratic party is going to lose in the midterms and i expect the republicans to pick up quite a lot of seats. right
0: and as many republicans have said in congress when they when they are going to launch an investigation into biden for corruption i don't know any specifics on it i would assume that it would in some way be involved with the hunter-biden laptop deal but needless to say when likely not if the republicans gain many many seats biden will be in some hot water
1: it'd be very very interesting to see how the media responds if what you say is and comes intuition um i would say Because of the legislative gains that the Republican Party has made, uh, especially through the judicial branch, as far as abortion has come. I do think that has made some people probably that were independents might vote a little bit left. But um, at the end of the day, those type of people that are not hardcore about any of that stuff are not going to go out and vote anyways. So I think um, the the voters saw it as a huge success. The majority of America is still anti-abortion. Um, so I, I, I say there is no way the Republican Party is going to lose this midterm. Um, again, because uh, Tusk, you said, um, historically speaking, right, the President's Party almost always loses. So... I want to say that, you know, pride comes before the fall, but this is seems to be uh, an obvious prediction. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, We'll see how many left. It would be very interesting to see how many left wing voters um, go out there and vote.
0: I would say that the majority of America, actually, according to many polls, the majority of America is for the most part, pro-choice, at least in many circumstances. However, I don't think that abortion is going to influence the midterms as much as many people say it will. Because there are many, many other issues that many Americans hold to a higher priority, such as, uh, especially in southern states, border states, uh, immigration, the economy, possible corruption of, in many aspects, but for the most part, law enforcement, especially as of recently, I, I don't think right. that abortion, especially with it being left up to the states, I think. Man, like, is it, it something could, it could slightly influence a few uh, gubernatorial elections? But for the most part, especially in all with states that already have Republican governors, which I believe there are 28 states with Republican governors right now. I could be wrong, but I believe that's what I've heard. I think that for the most part, pro-life people will stay pro-life and pro-choice Americans, many of them might have higher priorities to worry about.
2: One of the things that you see with uh, the abortion debates that really shows how much we've metamorphosized on this issue is that the media isn't talking about abortion much anymore. They just let it go. And remember how big the firestorm was once it was repealed, but the firestorm burned itself out. What does that mean? Right. It means the Overton window, the range of acceptable opinions again, has shifted. It's now socially okay to be much more conservative on the abortion question than uh, was previously acceptable. I guess we can come out of the woodwork, so to speak. Right. And uh, right. now, now the, the left is just accepting that. The media is just accepting that times have changed, and they just take their L's when another state bans abortion, or like Arizona just held that they could enforce an old territorial law that bans abortion in almost all cases making it punishable by felony right. did did this create a huge firestorm no would it have a year ago yes the whole nation would have been on fire but now the media the left they're just taking their l's and going home this is a very positive sign that the mood of the whole country has shifted dramatically in our direction and if there is a whole firestorm about this in the midterms then we can safely say we're in the clear and that we can continue restricting abortion
1: i think it's safe to say as far as voters go um that the majority of voters are actually more pro-life now if you were to go and walk out on the street and the doverton window like marquis is saying is a huge makes a huge difference because When it comes to social pressure, and especially when it comes to a situation like abortion being um, and women in general, um, as far as how we treat women in our society and all these sensitive type topics, you know, uh, no one wants to offend anybody. But it goes back to, is this something that people are willing to vote for? And are they willing to vote? Are they ride or die for abortion? Like some... Some some women are, and a lot of people want to be sympathetic. But when it comes to voters, most voters are uh, pro-life, and because they want to make sure that the nation stays pro-life, and they will do anything to keep it pro-life.
2: Right. Polls Polls have shown that most people are indeed pro-life in this country. Really? Yeah, I believe Gallup has done that.
0: Right. I've I've read the opposite you know, from different sources, I, I've read, but
2: it depends I, I on where you live,
1: you know, true. social circumstances, and then also the Overton window.
0: Try it. Uh, true. Absolutely. I, mean, I believe maybe the difference could be more people might identify as more pro choice. However, from my experience, and I have nothing to back this up, do not quote me on this. But from what I've seen, I believe that there are more pro-lifers who are very, very passionate about the topic than pro-choicers and are more likely to vote on that. Of obviously, there are some people who are very, very passionate about being pro-choice and supporting abortion. However, well, it's a minority. Right? Yeah, who, perhaps. but who's, who's pro- yeah, who's pro-lifers? An important thing to remember is pro-lifers believe that, millions of children are being murdered and pro-choicers right. believe that women's rights, it's moral, are being, but pro-choicers believe that women's rights are being restricted. Again, that would, that's a huge injustice, but it's not as passionate of a viewpoint as children being ripped limb from limb every single every single hour minute, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. And then that's when we come back to, humans they want their extremes right they they say it's you know death it's murder and then some people are like look i should have an abortion the day the baby's being born now how many people are radically actually about that that's a strong minority true when i say strong minority a vocal strong minority it doesn't take much to change anything it only takes one percent to change a nation you know that through the revolutionary war Absolutely. But I do want to say that it, you're right. You have a great, great point that it is the pro-lifers that are very strong about it. I mean, the people that are pro-choice, they're strong about it because they've either had an abortion or they had somebody close to them that's had an abortion. That's typically what it is. Either that or you're a teen girl that's, you know looking out for trying to look out for other teen girls, you're trying to be moral and trying to be a good person. And that's your way in it comes to semantics on your outlook on life. But it's it's a minority, but it is a very vocal minority. And I think that's why um, I think that's why a lot of people could see um, it going the other way, plus the people that are kind of indifferent and within conversation tend to say pro choice because they don't want to offend anybody.
0: Right. And abortion has always been my my least favorite political topic to talk about, but I guess the painful shit to talk about is the most important shit to bring up because you have one side, women's bodies are being controlled and restricted, and then you have the other side, children are being murdered. I mean that's it's, a very That's how that it came that is that's a the narrative. Very big issue to discuss. Right. And the reason that I hate the topic so much is because it's less a political topic and more or less a philosophical topic. You know, when does life begin? Well, when life begins, is it inherently valuable? Is it inherently is an unborn right. child worth the same as a child that's already been born? If it's not, where do you draw the line? If you believe that it's not valuable until it's born. Well, should it be able to be killed five minutes before it's born? Um, The majority of pro-choicers say no, even pro-choicers don't believe it should be allowed in the third trimester. And there are just so many different issues that you have to discuss. It's a very difficult issue to find, to make progress into finding a higher common ground. It's, I've, I've always hated the topic, but it is a very important topic to discuss. Which is quite surprising. How, like you said earlier, Marquis, the discussion is kind kind of dying down. Obviously, the overturning of Roe v. Wade was extremely controversial, but it's not, honestly, in my opinion, it's not. It hasn't caused as much of an uproar as I was expecting.
2: Indeed, there. It's just that it's just the overturn window has shifted, and when you get right down to it. The radical pro-choice crowd is an extremely vocal minority, like Picasso said. And a lot of it is, I would chalk up to rationalization of their actions or actions of people that are very close to them. They're trying to justify something that I would wager a lot of them know deep down is something deeply immoral. And that's where the perverse passion comes from. It's a, raging a screaming a shrieking and roaring and gnashing of teeth against nature and the inner feeling of right and justice within the soul of man that they're constantly fighting because they want to do something but just at odds with something deep within them There's. we can uh i think Tusk
1: brought up a great point as far as it comes down to philosophy and I think it's very important if you're going to be if you're going to be political about anything or to form an opinion to be very educated when it comes to philosophy because a philosophy comes down to your very viewpoint of life itself and existence and what that means to you and what that is for meaning and what your responsibility is and what's your goal in life and a lot of that has to come down to philosophy and what we're seeing is humans are viewing humans very differently
0: right very yeah. different. it's a huge discussion on you know they say a woman's right to choose over her body as opposed to a child on everything child's life. And on everything exactly and when does a child's right to life you know, obviously, uh, we say everyone has a right to live. Well, right. in, cer- in certain cases, you know, people have the right to defend themselves against a home intruder. Uh, you know, somebody breaks into your home, at least in certain states, you have the right to end their life. And many pro-choicers use this argument. If a child is growing inside a woman's body, she has the right to kill. And then pro-lifers say, well, that's a choice that you made. You can't invite someone into your house and then shoot them for coming in.
1: We're avoiding a very important word even though we've mentioned philosophy already and since we're on the topic of abortion and that is religion because religion is a type of philosophy and I mean you could see the division even within the political parties of the republicans tend to be more of that conservative bible thumper and the democrats tend to not be as religious right so um and this comes down to another big court case right uh on evolution what was the trial called um the scopes monkey trial the scopes monkey trial that trial has to come down to how humans are viewing other humans do we view ourselves as monkeys do we view ourselves as a as an individual created by god higher than angels I mean, how are we viewing ourselves? We're constantly debating.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always try to avoid using religion and politics, but there does come a point where, I mean, religion. They merge. Religion, where whatever you believe, religion does incorporate itself into our lives, and it does in many ways. It is a type of philosophy and arguably... Whether you believe it or not, it is the most widespread and important philosophy in a sense where, you know, even many non-believers, many atheists say that they are, in a sense, spiritual. Hell, I know a celebrity, Corey Taylor, the lead singer of Slipknot. He's an atheist, but he still believes in an afterlife. He believes in ghosts, specifically. He believes that, in his words, the energy from your soul, I'm not sure what exactly he believes a soul is continues to move into a spiritual realm of this world and can at certain points phase themselves into being faintly visible by humans religion and spirituality heavily heavily influences the way that we see the world whether you believe in a god or not
2: Indeed, I often get back to a quotation. I believe this was from Sir Isaac Newton, but uh, of course I may be incorrect that the first gulp of science will make any man into an atheist, but the bottom of your glass, God will be waiting for you. That's a great one.
0: That's pretty deep.
2: Yes, the natural sciences, physics, when you astronomy, biology, at a very superficial level, it all seems to be, be something that's inherently atheistic, but when you study it in great depth and look truly look at it, complexity of life, the size of the universe and how quickly it supposedly came into being, well, what does the Big Bang sound like? Whole universe coming into, into glorious life in a split second, with an uncomprehendable amount of energy. Well, that sounds like Genesis to me. To be perfectly honest, it sounds like you've just proven Genesis. Right. I digress. I will. I will always contend. Will point towards God at the very end, because only a creator of unthinkable complexity and genius could come up with something so perfect so detailed so wonderful look at the grass at the sky you will see him there's a scripture something to that effect but i yeah i mean it. there's
1: between scientists and uh religious people there's been a big big um split within that you know i mean and I think a lot of you can even see within Christianity now a lot of Christians are taking up science, and um, because it used to be if you're a science man you're an anti-religious man.
2: And, you don't have. Um,
1: and now I I see it more often than not now just through the internet that a lot of Christians are becoming more scientific, and they're coming more um, what what is the word. Um, sophisticated and the reasoning for a higher power. You need religion, you need philosophy, and both of those tie directly to politics, because politics is what represents somebody. It's supposed to be a part of your life. And it's like, hey, this is for my community. This is what I want my nation to be. and that's what a book is, that's what the Bible is and that's what philosophy was. So political science, now we're talking about political science, but science, be- being in politics, you can't you can't really derive anything from those without without some sort of uh, religion or philosophy.
2: Indeed, I would like to say also that this world is infinitely corrupted. And I would much rather base my ideas and my life around he who is greater than the world than he who is in the world and all that which the world has built, all those false edifices of varying strength. But I would prefer to build something on bedrock instead of sand, i.e. Christ, i.e. the gospel. Yeah, That's if, my story and I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah, if humans are the most intelligent and powerful beings in the known universe, then we're all fucked.
1: Indeed. Well, yeah. Every human needs to have a moral compass. It's, try to do an experiment on yourself. You can't move without being moral, without having a conscience. So it's very important on how you conduct yourself every day what your moral responsibility is to the universe or to god you know if you don't believe it test it out that's what i always say ain't that right mark we indeed
0: yeah we got we got pretty deep there we definitely covered a lot of topics today i was just the surface we can't be afraid of the hard topics
1: no we can't
0: we can't be afraid of diving deeper
1: yeah I I like that absolutely but this I, I like that we hit all of it we hit all of it plus some
0: yeah we definitely got off to a great start here and we can see where this goes and where this journey takes us uh, but I think absolutely about, I think that about wraps this up for tonight thank you both very much for joining me
2: thank
1: you
0: Tusk
2: thank you Picasso yeah.
1: Thank you Tusk, thank you Marqui. So
0: been awesome. I loved the whole thing. And I'll see you all later. Good night.